All right. Well, for today's episode, I'm going to be staying in Letters to Malcolm by C.S. Lewis and going right on to chapter two, actually. Um, and again, as a reminder, uh, the chapters in this book don't have uh, titles. So my title that I've given this chapter is uh, Pre-Written Prayers. So uh, building on what Lewis was doing in the first chapter of talking about liturgy and the importance of liturgy, how it gives us rhythm, it gives us structure, but also pointing out that the more that we notice the structure of liturgy, the more problematic it is. Now he's kind of zeroing in even further on this idea of prayer, um, and you could connect it to prayer in liturgy, perhaps. Um, and so he's talking about pre-written prayers. And for me personally, like I grew up in a church where that was never uh, part of what we did. We just kind of prayed on the spot and maybe spontaneous might be the right word, which sounds weird. Like shouldn't all prayer just be from your heart? Um, so the idea of even writing your own prayer in advance almost seems inauthentic because um, why would you need to write a script? Um, but then the idea of reading someone else's prayers, like a prayer book, uh, that sounds so stuffy, right? To use like an Anglican prayer book or something like that. I just was so resistant to that for so long until I got to a place in my own faith journey where uh, that kind of changed uh, my whole vantage point. And I think Lewis's words here um, are a good picture of why that is so important to me. So I'm going to read uh, just a few lines from from this chapter just to try and get to the heart of what he's saying. Uh, at one point, he goes on and he says, uh, broaden your mind, Malcolm, broaden your mind. It takes all sorts to make a world or a church. This may even be truer of a church. If grace perfects nature, it must expand all our natures into the full richness of the diversity which God intended when he made them. And heaven will display far more variety than hell. Uh, he goes on in a little little bit further here, he says, and the beauty of it, um, it being that this prayer service he was in where people stood, some people knelt, some people sat, some people were walking around, some people were crawling like a caterpillar. Lewis says that the beauty of this uh, was that nobody took the slightest notice of what anyone else was doing. I wish we Anglicans would follow their example. One meets people who are perturbed because someone in the next pew does or does not cross himself. They oughtn't even have, have seen, let alone um, had an issue with this idea. And so he, he's trying to point out why it's normal and, in fact, helpful to have uh, these pre-written prayers in some circles. Uh, he says, for many years after my conversion, I never used any ready-made prayers or pre-written prayers except the Lord's Prayer, which is one that basically all churches uh, utilize. And he goes down further to say, to pray successfully without words uh, means that one is at the top of one's form, meaning that's the goal. Otherwise, the mental acts become merely imaginative or emotional acts. And a fabricated emotional uh, experience is a miserable affair. Um, and so he's pointing to the idea that words and prayer are not necessarily synonymous. He says that for me, words are secondary. They're only an anchor. 
uh, or shall I say they are the movements of a conductor's baton, but they are not the music itself. And so if our prayers are only words, they will unavoidably fall into repetition. They'll harden into a formula. And if they're someone else's, we will continually pour into them our meaning. So Lewis is saying one of the values of using pre-written prayers or ready-made prayers is that sometimes it's giving words to our experience that we don't know how to put words into. Uh, and so we are going to pour our meaning into it. Um, think about the way that when you hear a sermon and someone else hears a sermon, it's the same uh, presentation, but you all might receive a different message or a different takeaway. Um, and so uh, what he's getting at is this idea that, that these prayers actually help form uh, the experiences that we find hard to describe ourselves. It helps uncover feelings that we didn't necessarily know that we had. Uh, and then these last two ideas is that, um, one, that ready-made prayers help us get rid of this the phantom idea called my religion, is the phrase he uses, basically saying that um, when we just make it all about us as individuals, we, we can slip into that problematic viewpoint of saying that it's just about what I've decided is most important. So this draws us back into the larger community, but also these kinds of prayers help remind us of the things that we ought to be asking. Um, and so it, it's pointing us back towards something beyond ourselves, right? None of us are perfect at anything that we do. And so we should always be lifelong learners and, and trying to, uh, strive and grow to be better. And uh, when it comes to our spiritual lives, it's, I think it's the same. Uh, we can only compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. Uh, but at the same time, we know that there are people that have gone before us and the faith that's been passed down to us is is beautiful. And there's more for us to do, more for us to learn. And so as we tap into some of these prayers, it should be a a means by which we expand our faith, not that we are reducing it. I think on the surface, we can think, oh, it's so rigid. It's so stuffy because like you're just reading someone else's, you know, ideas, but we do this all the time. We post quotes from people all the time and make them our bios on social media and make them our mantras. And because the quote, whether or not you said it doesn't mean it's not true. Right. Um, it's significant. It's powerful. And often, you know, humans fail to make sense of what they are feeling. And so we are looking for words. People go to therapy and they just begin to blurt out what they're feeling based on basic questions that get to the heart of things. And after you start talking, you go, oh my goodness, I didn't even know I thought that. And sometimes when you vent to your friends, the same kind of thing happens. And sometimes you have to feed someone a line here or there to help get that fire going. I think these ready-made prayers or pre-written prayers are so powerful because it reminds us of this phrase, um, the communion of saints. That's something that you know Orthodox Christianity believes. Uh, and what is there's so many things captured up in that, but basically that that. Believers of all time are connected in this faith. 
And so why would the words of someone from the fourth century not still be powerful now? Why would my words not be powerful in the future for another believer? I mean, this is precisely what we do. Like we, we share sermons and we share ideas with one another currently in the present moment. Oh, you got to hear this sermon that so-and-so preached. It was so good. Because the moment that this thing comes into reality, it's no longer a static experience. It's, it, it's got a life of its own. And that's why the prayers of people like St. Augustine or Evelyn Underhill, or uh, I've got this little prayer book called A, a Diary of Private Prayer. Um, it, these prayers, it's not like that's my only prayer life, but they've given so much um, structure so much um, explanation of things that I know I feel and yet I can't always express. Uh, what, what Lewis gets to in the last chapter, which I'm not going to go into all the way, um, but it, it definitely is a good bookend to this, to this book. He says that prayer is irksome, or I think a, a more normal word for nowadays rather than the 40s and 50s would be prayer is annoying. Like the act of doing it is annoying. It, it's not fun necessarily. It can become a task. It can become frustrating. And we're not necessarily good at it, right? And Christians of all time have struggled with different things. And I think in the modern era, with all of the distractions that we have, by the way, some distractions are good, but just between having access to your email all the time or having access to your friends all the time on your cell phone or having uh, access to any television show or song you can think of in the palm of your hand or being able to walk outside. And, you know, there's so many ways that we get distracted now that prayer becomes pushed to the end of our days often uh, or prayer is like just limited to before and or after meals and it doesn't become this robust part of our faith experience. And like Lewis said, you know, the words are the anchor. The, the goal is to get beyond words. The goal is to be in this prayerful state where we are just sitting in the presence of the Lord. But we're also making our requests known to God. But if we limit that, that experience just to the words that come to our mind, there are days when there are no words. There's just this terrible feeling. You know, think about when a tragedy strikes and you just, you feel so much, you don't know what to say. That's where these prayers are helpful. In the reverse, think about how often there's so much joy, you don't even know how to express all of it. I'm a terrible gift receiver, but uh, I typically go speechless and go, uh, thank you. I wish I could put words to the, the immense joy and gratefulness I feel. And, and that's what these kinds of prayers do. So... I encourage you to uh, to check out some pre-written prayers. Um, incorporate it into your life. And if you're uncomfortable with this idea still, think about what the Lord's Prayer is. Again, Jesus taught us to pray together saying, why are those words or those phrases significant? And which other words and phrases and beliefs are significant? So that's the chapter for today. Hope you guys enjoyed. And um, yeah, we'll get back to another one moving forward.